You're either too hot or too cold. In either case, insulation is what you're asking about. We get a lot of questions about it, and that's what's going to be the topic of this edition of Home Show Radio Extra. Welcome back. I'm Charlie Moger. Uh, I produce the show, and Tom Tynan is our right home, here. He's our home improvement expert for what thirty years? Yeah, a lot of years. Many yep. years. That's how I, pay, I feed my family. Yes, right. He's old enough to have to run for president, and that's really all that matters. Well, actually, well, you know, I had to do a resume the other day, and it's forty-five years experience. That is scary. That is scary. You start thinking about the math on that. That there's more behind <laughs> you than in front of you, and, it's, and that's just working experience. <laughs> yes. Well, let's get down to the topic today, which is insulation and taking care of your home. Now. I'm doing on this podcast what Tom does on the show. I don't see the questions before we read them, so we're just keeping it um, keeping it um, informal, if you want to get through all these things. So our first question comes from Heath in Richmond, Texas, Tom, and this is a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart. He says, I would like to optimize my attic for storage. There's a lot of two-by-four bracing in the way. How do I know which ones I can remove or relocate? And uh, if I deck the floor, will I lose insulation efficiency? Okay, let's talk about the bracing for a minute. There is a reason it is there. (laughs) It is to hold up the rafters and the triangulation, and you have collar ties. You've got your, uh, your strong backs, and there's a reason it's there. Now, I couldn't tell you on the radio... You can relocate this one because you can relocate. When people do remodeling, uh, you'll say, well, hey, people remodel, right? But they usually put walls up in there, so they relocate the loads from the uh, strongbacks to a wall that encloses a room in an attic, and then you have an attic conversion. So you got to be careful. Uh, I would tell you to have someone come up and take a look at it. You decide what kind of space you want, but don't start cutting those things out because you can have a real mess on your hands. So please be very careful with that. And get someone to put their eyes on it first and tell you, uh, you you figure out what you want to do, and they'll tell you what they can do to keep your structure intact, and then you can get the space you want. So I'm going to leave it at that, but don't start cutting all that stuff out, because there is a reason they didn't put it up there, because they had extra lumber, and they just thought it would be fun. Well, he lives in Richmond. If he lived in Houston, he'd find that the uh, plumbers are putting decking in to and from the water heaters now, because they're required to. Well, they'll do that. Yeah. That's just a little walkway. He, I don't. The man said in this question, "I want to store stuff." I've gone into yeah. attics, and it's not. It's it's a warehouse right there of stuff. So, you have to plan out what you're going to store, how much room you tr- truly need, because this could be. I guess is a better way to. I, I could have said this. This could be go from just putting some platform down to put right. some boxes to uh, making a whole remodel and calling someone here in Houston like Trifection and say, hey, I want a storage warehouse up there, and they're going to be a second-floor addition. But it's not designed for that. That's not what it's there for. That's right, because you have you have to decide what you're going to store before you start making a space. Yep. Is that lightweight Christmas items? That's okay. Is it books? Then you're going to have to restructure the ceiling joists because they're going to become floor joists, and so they have to go from 2x6s to 2x12s or 2x10s. Uh, so they don't flex. There's a lot of structure involved here, so it's not something that you just say, take this out, put some plywood down, let's bring up the bowling balls. And I think that's what a lot of people think when they look at, at storing yes. stuff up there. Open I'm just going to buy some plywood and nail it to those joists exactly. and I'm good to go. Walkways are okay. I put a walkway from one side of my attic all the way to the other when I had it re-insulated, sure. just so I could walk back and forth and do any maintenance I need to do, but it's only four feet wide, and it's just for me to walk, and there's nothing stored on there. 
Uh, it's just an access. But if all I'm storing is, is Christmas stuff like that, okay? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get Heath some, some help here on this. That's fine. If all he wants to do is store some, like, seasonal stuff up there, he could just get some some plywood and lay Absolutely. it on there to put it on, and he'd be good to go. Yeah, and put it around your access hole when you go up in there, right. however you get to your attic. Uh, put some half-inch plywood down. Put your mm-hmm. Christmas decorations. Put your, you know, a few uh, old uh, antique items like a... Where the baby's, you know, a crib or something you want to keep. I'm, I'm good with that. It's not too heavy. It's just like if you were walking around up there. But when you get these kind of questions, uh, like this, Charlie, with my experience on the radio so many years, I know this guy has bigger plans. Yeah. So I want him to be very, very careful. But for anybody up there, a simple area is fine, but don't start cutting things up. And that's what concerns me most about this. Since the topic of this podcast is insulation though he mm-hmm. wants to if you deck over that insulation how is it going to affect the insulation efficiency now, that one we can lead into because i went through the same thing with mine remember that deck i was telling you about uh-huh. i put in mine we actually raised it so we raised it up about six inches with a structure that went uh, perpendicular over the the ceiling joists and then we insulated so I could add the thickness of insulation. Then we put the deck on. So you plan out the space you want. You actually raise it with a second like decking structure underneath it. And then you put your actual plywood on top of it. So you don't squish it down if insulation is uh, a concern. If it's not, you just squish it down and put your stuff on there like everybody does. If it's a small area, it won't mean that much. If it's a larger area, you actually raise the decking up so you have the thickness you want. And if you're going to be in the Houston area... Uh, it's going to be about an R30 to an R38 is the standard. Once you reach past that, it's ridiculous. It doesn't do anything. And you're looking at about 14 to 18 inches of depth of a fiberglass product. So you are going to have to deck up. You're going to have to increase the height over those joists if, then. If it's big enough and insulation is an, a concern of yours, yes. Because if you compress the insulation, it, it doesn't work as well. Well, if you look at insulation and you, and you get a fiberglass roll of insulation, you'll see two big uh, prints on there. One is the R value and the other is the thickness. And it's a big red or, or, or colorful uh, uh, lettering. It'll say three and a half inches R13. But what it's really kind of telling you, if you read the fine print, which nobody's ever going to do, that three and a half, if it's two and a half, it's not R13. All of a sudden it reduces its R value because it's the thickness, the air Inside the insulation becomes the uh, heat resistor. It collects the heat, but you need that thickness so it doesn't move from one side to the other. When you start to make it less and less thick, you have less room. Uh, you have yeah less room for it to be protected, and it can transfer faster. So your heat resistant, the R value starts to go down dramatically. Greg in Pearland is uh, working in his garage, and he's worried about his insulation out there, Tom. He says, I'm going to seal it so the majority of the leaks around the bottom corners of my three-car garage garage doors are eliminated. Tear it down to the studs and re-insulate the walls and ceiling of the garage. I know you recommend fiberglass bats and stuff, and then install cabinets and lay down a nice epoxy floor. My question is, is this the right approach to this, and will it help keep make the garage more comfortable? If you air condition it, yes. And I, I would put that in big, bold letters. Uh, if you're insulating it and you're not air conditioning it, it's going to become a wet, hot, muggy mess. So that would be the missing link. But if it's air conditioned, you treat it just like a house. Uh, if you want to get your garage door to be sealed and you don't know where to buy the products... 
uh, garage door companies have uh, wood that goes on the outside with rubber gaskets. They have gas uh, garage gaskets that go on the bottom. So there's a lot of items out there that you can seal a door that they use uh, primarily up north where you heat garages. But they're easy to get, and if you can try to, you can if you want to try to MacGyver one, you can and just invent it. But they're out there, so take a good look at those. But the whole idea of insulation keeping something cool is just doesn't work. Uh, you have to acclimate the air, and that's why we insulate homes and we don't insulate garages because they have to breathe. It's going to get hot during the day, I understand. But at night, when the sun goes down, it'll cool off quicker. If you insulate it, it'll stay hot all night long. So you got to let it uh, acclimate to the outside temperature. And an ideal garage, inside the garage is going to be just like an attic, is going to be the exact same temperature as outside. And when you insulate it, it's actually going to get hotter inside because as the heat does get in, and it will, it will start to build on itself. It, can't, it cannot escape. You know, we're talking in this case about um, outside walls here, right, and the insulation is going in there. Yes. And we have questions that we get from time to time about people who are seeing advertising from companies that will drill a little hole and then squirt lots of foam in there and fill that cavity up. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? It's really expensive, first off, and it's not worth the money uh, uh, in, in the Houston area. And let me just explain the numbers, and we can go into some of the application problems, too. But uh, when you take a typical home in, in the Houston Gulf Coast area, which is, you can go from Brownsville all the way to, uh, what is it, uh, Orange over on the yeah, other corner orange, on the Gulf. Over the Golden Triangle, right? Yeah. it's. I'm not going to go past Texas, but it continues right. on. Uh, about 13% of the heat gain on a home comes through the walls, 80% comes through the roof, then the remaining is doors and windows. So you can see the numbers get very small. To put a lot of money into 13% of your problem when most people don't have their attic address to begin with, uh, which we can address later in this podcast, uh, is really not worth it. And what happens is people put uh, you know, $1,000 to save $50 into the walls, and that just doesn't make sense. So as far as the payback, it's not there. Secondly, uh, trying to get all of that foam in there uh, evenly spread, it sounds great on paper, but it, if you tore the walls open after it's all done, which I don't want anybody to do, uh, you're going to see all kinds of voids and stuff. So it's not as, it, it looks good on paper, but practicality of it is very difficult because you have fire stops and different things in walls that nobody really knows if they're there or they're not. Well, and then you think about what happens if you have to rerun a circuit in that wall. Oh, yeah. Well, the electricians will complain the whole time, and then they'll charge you five times as much money. (laughs) (laughs) And then you call Rudy because he has to repair all the sheetrock, and then you got even more of a void in there because they had to tear the foam out of the way. So so this foam insulation (laughs) squirted into the walls, it's, it's a good deal all the way through. Well, yeah, uh, I, mean, I can give you. I had a house to put in. It's a pain in the neck to deal with, and it's not. And, well, yeah, yeah, but you'll never get your money back on it. There's other things you can do. But I had a house that had that foam in it. It was over a hundred years old. It was restored in Lake Placid, New York. It was forty yeah. below zero. We were doing anything we could Slightly to stay warm. Different, little different, but in Texas, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then what about okay? While we're on the subject of that, Tom, what about putting the foam? insulation up in the attic i mean if it if it's as dense as it is isn't that going to do a better job it depends on what better is you'll get people that will say well it's got more r value for thickness yeah so uh i can still get the same r value with the other stuff it's got to breathe and it doesn't breathe uh it's got to uh attics can get really wet so you want to make sure that the attics are staying dry and what they do with the foam is they put it up on the roof decking so you get no attic ventilation and then you get all kinds of 
of uh, acclimate. You get humidity problems in the attics, which cause like terrariums when you were a kid and you met, closed up a bottle and you watch it rain in there. So you got to be really careful in the Gulf Coast area about moisture. And we, there's two types of heat. There's latent heat and there's sensible heat. Latent heat is humidity. And if we don't control that, we can control the sensible heat, which is just temperature all day long, but we're still, you know, just a muggy mess of, in an unhealthy environment. And the last thing is it's so expensive. Why would you spend, again, $1,000 to save 100 It doesn't make sense when the old tried-and-true way actually works better and doesn't cause any residual problems or make you buy other um, mechanical uh, systems like dehumidifiers and stuff to make it work. I got into a, a heated, pardon the pun, question, conversation about this this whole foam thing mm-hmm. with a guy who sells it. Okay, now he had a vested interest, but he says that it's just not true that it doesn't breathe because now it's open cell. Yeah. I'd have to discuss the perm rating with him. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'd have to that's discuss the thing a lot to look at, things. I guess. That's the, the the question within what he said, in my mind. And I'm looking for that 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 heuristic that I can use to figure out the difference between the two. Yeah. And so what you're saying is that look at the perm rate of the fiberglass, which we know breathes well in this climate, yeah. and compare that to the perm rate of even open cell. And you're saying the fiberglass is going to be way better. Yeah, it's going to breathe much better, but also the application. And attics are putting it between the rafters and not on the floor of the attic. Uh, and there's a reason they can't really do it on the floor of the attic. So they found this way to seal an attic, which is ridiculous. And then you can't have attic ventilation to get rid of the humidity, which is that's what it does. But I want you to let's take a step back. And it's, it has to do with insulation and it's moisture barriers that we put behind siding. Uh, Tyvek is one that comes to mind. And I know Hardy has one, too. And their perm ratings are really high. So they let a lot of vapor transfer through. You can get some other ones that people think, well, that's one too, but it's, it's, a, it's a, not a moisture barrier, but it's a vapor barrier. So the perm ratings start to make a big difference on how much we'll actually breathe. You can have a product that looks almost the same that's a, kind of a plasticky product that won't let any vapor transfer at all. And they say, oh, that's even better. No, it's not better. It's better in some climates, but it's not better here the way it's used. So... There's a lot of little nuances you have to watch very closely with these things. When you say perm, we're talking permeab- permeab- permeability. permeability. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, no, that's fine. I just, you know, the first time I'm listening with You know how I am with ears. long words and yeah, three yeah. syllables or more. Right. Permeability. Yes. I had a professor in college one time that he says, well, you don't know how to spell it, just abbreviate it. So I know. That's what we do. It's, you should try the Army or the colleges. It's all acronyms. What is it? Acronyms? You know, mm-hmm. we have the ACU on the CBD on the DD boy, and you're like, "What the hell is anybody talking about?" Excuse me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all foobar, and if yeah. you need that would explain. Foobar, I got. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, Donna in League City yes. has. Uh, we, we wrap this up here with this question because sure. I think it'll cover a bunch of things. It was good yeah, that we need to one. do here. Yeah, it's. She was saying that she's she's worried that her insulation has settled. She has the old style of. Um, what do you call it? Rock wool. If she thinks she's describing it as a foam, a fuzzy kind of thing. I think she's got rock wool up there, it and she's be. she's worried. Do I need to release? Do I need to remove this before I put new insulation in? And what insulation do you recommend? And we've talked about this already. And you said R thirty eight and fiberglass, right? Yeah, that would max it out for sure. Uh, but let's let's talk about this. People say, do I need to add more? Well, the only way to know, and she might not want to go up there, she'd get somebody else. They go up with a tape measure, and they measure the thickness. 
then it's not a guessing game. Then you're not being sold something from a guy that comes to you. They're going to, uh, you know, that might be doing something that's not ethical. Uh, you, you go up and measure, and you're looking at about, in, in the, the area we're talking about here in the Houston Gulf Coast area, about 14 inches of fiberglass. I mean, an inch here up and down doesn't make that much difference, but uh, you're looking at about that much, and if you have six inches of insulation, yeah, you got about half of what you need. Now, rock wool, if it truly is rock wool, uh, it deteriorates over time. The beauty was it's a very organic product, and it was insulation that was used mostly in Texas because it was locally available. And secondly, it has a high R value for you can have less thickness with that. But that doesn't mean I'd use it today because uh, a little more thickness of fiberglass isn't going to hurt you in the attic. That's, that's not going to be here, there, or anywhere compared, you know, people don't go up there that much. So uh, just measure it. And you want that R38 so you can add to it. Uh, is it deteriorating because it's a natural product? It is. If it's not getting in your house, it doesn't seem to be a bother to you. Just put a nice layer of formaldehyde-free fiberglass over the top of it. Have them neaten it all up. And you're fine with that. And one of the last comments, because I know we're coming to the end here, Charlie, is we've had a very hot summer. The last two winters, we've had some very cold uh, periods in our winters, super freezes. And it, it makes everybody want to designed for these two extremes which come and go once in a while but you have to remember your insulation products should not cost you where they don't pay you back you want to get a payback quickly and it's a period of time when you'll do that five years is a good time a good uh, uh, benchmark for mm -hmm. you to get your money back and don't design for the extremes i know it was really hot this summer mm -hmm. but don't overdo it now just because you had one high electric bill or two Right. Okay. I hear. I've heard you say that before. I've heard you say that it, you shouldn't insulation should pay for itself. Yes. What I don't understand is the math you use to get to that. Well, I. It's just a, a rule of thumb with radiant okay. barriers. We started with that. I guess I'm trying to think back how to how to answer this question. It's a good question. Uh, you'd have to do a scientific experiment on everything, but. More is not better when it comes to right. money. Yeah, but I'm saying, okay, so if I'm going to put, I mean, ballpark, let's say it's going to cost me, you know, $5,000 yes. to, to put, um, insulate the entire attic of my house, you know, to put, bring the entire attic to R38. But that'd be, that costing you that okay, much, so let's okay. say it costs $2,000. Yeah, $2, okay, $2,000 to put it up there. Okay. How do I calculate the return on that $2,000 in terms of what's it going to mean to me? I don't think you can. Okay. Uh, every house is different. Every load is different. Every Everybody who puts a temperature on their uh, thermostat is different. So you can't, but <clears throat> there are some times when you spend $30,000 for new windows and people say you're going to get a payback. Well, the payback could be 30 years. That's a lot of money. Right. Uh, so you try to keep things simple. Yeah, but, but even in that, but even yeah. in that, okay, like, okay, it's going to save you X on your... Yeah, let's say if it saves you $400 a year. Okay, so there you go. So, like, we need to figure out, that if I put in this R38 where I've had, you know, God knows what up in the attic before mm -hmm. now, and now I've got R38, how much does R38 save me from, say, an R10 or something that might have been up there before? There's no way, depending on what you pay. I mean, if you want to get really specific, they'd have to do studies on it, on your okay. particular situation. I guess I'm trying to figure out is like how much insulation performance. I don't think I'm going to use the five-year mark anymore. 
You're, well, you're said, cutting me up on this. I'm not cutting <laughs> not you up. Just, no, I'm just trying yeah. to figure. I'm just. I'm going to think about this this week. Ooh, yeah, I'm, ju- I'm just trying to do the math on it. I mean, yeah. it makes common sense. I mean, in in yeah. plain terms, it makes sense. Yes, if I put it up there, I'm going to pay less of my energy bill, so it's going to pay me back. But I'm thinking, okay, well, what's the difference in energy savings between R10 and R38? Okay, so there's that much a year. I pay this much in energy, so then I can figure out this many years to pay it back. That's what I'm getting at. I'm not trying to stump you here. I'm just trying to. To, to no, break and, and I'm thinking back of where these numbers came from because it came from my training at the Florida Solar Energy Center, and that was yeah. a number we always used. And yeah. I can tell you this with radiant barriers, a radiant barrier in a house that has it or doesn't have it, if they're identical, uh, a radiant barrier will save 10 to 12% of your cooling costs. And that's kind of where these numbers uh, came from. And okay. so it was right in that realm where we came up with that five-year, six-year period, what people need to look at and not look at a 12- or 15-year period. And so that's where those numbers actually came from when when I use that on the show. We've been around the sun a few times since you've uh, got that lesson, and, and, yes. and a lot, a lot of times. <laughs> I'm thinking, yes. I'm thinking 80s. that energy costs are higher. I bet the payback comes even quicker. Well, you know what? My energy costs are lower than they were uh, really? 15 years ago. How is that? Uh, when when we had a monopoly here in the Houston area, mm-hmm. I was paying well over 10 cents a kilowatt hour just for the power. Yeah. And today, uh, I just got elect- I got two electric bills yesterday oh God, from two properties home, and it was uh, 0. 0.67. Don't say it. Okay. Yeah. We're going to get letters. Um, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> now, you can shop now. I know, but they're going to say, which one did Tom buy? I'm like, okay. I got three different ones. How does that help? <laughs> I got three properties with three different ones because I went to the lowest with ever. It depends what your zip code gives you. That's I exactly right. That. Okay, I just want to. Yeah, I just want to head it off before. No, I, guess, I think I, that's what people need. No, put your zip code in, then you'll find out. I just hear the laptops opening up and the keys <laughs> banging away. Tom, which one are you using? Stop! Don't. I got send one that that, that uh, uh, ten cents of every dollar goes to uh, neutering pets. Yeah, don't send that email. <laughs> Go to powertochoose.com or dot org. Same that's thing. That's fine. Yeah. And and Put your just, zip code in and, and figure and then it you'll out. Find your, out. Yeah, and figure it out. And and, and Tom <laughs> usually says a twelve month, twelve month um, contract, and try to make it renew in a time of year when it's not either extremely hot or extremely cold. Is I that tell right? you what, if they call me on the weekend, yeah. I will I will handle each question individually. That's the best way I can do that. And you all get the same answer. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, and I'll but, have three hours of, of great questions. But he'll serve you the question independently. Yeah, I saw many things I wanted to talk about, and I think we we're kind of running long here, but I was going to sure. ask you, okay, last thing, let me squeeze this one in before we're done. Yeah. Um, it, when we think of the attic, you always talk about the, the, the triangle up there of, of whether of 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 insulation, ventilation, and radiant barrier. Yes. What job do they each perform? How much of each do we need? You, heat transfers in three ways. You have radiant radiant heat. You have conduction, which is hot going to cold, or vice. No, it's hot going to cold. And you have uh, uh, the ventilation, which gets rid of the convective heat, which is hot air rising. So obviously the air, uh, the attic uh, ventilation system is going to take care of convection, which is easy because as hot air rises, it collects water. So the water is collected like a sponge and goes out the roof vents, which would be at the peak. And that way you keep your attic dry. So your conductive uh, barrier, which is your insulation on the floor of the attic, stays as dry as possible because water conducts heat. So you want to keep it dry so it doesn't have a lot of moisture content in there. 
and that keeps the hot temperature in the attic from touching the cold temperature in the air-conditioned space. So that takes care of the conductive, and that's where we get to about that R38 we talked about. Now, 80% of the heat that goes into a house comes from the attic because it's the sun's the heater. 80% of that is radiation, and that's where everybody misses the boat because they don't have a radiant barrier, which can stop up to 90% of that heat gain, which keeps the uh, insulation on the floor of the attic cooler, which reduces that, uh, that heat transfer to the, to the inside and slows it down tremendously. So those are the three things you have to hit on, and if you miss one, you can't overcompensate with another. And that's one of the things that the foams do. They try to overcompensate for the radiant heat. And so it, it, it's working against Mother Nature. And what you want to do is have those three barriers that handle the three types of heat transfer. And once you do that, and it's simple, you don't do anything else. Then you can worry about you want to change your windows, you want to insulate your doors, you want to do that, that's fine. But do that first. Right. Well, there you go. I think we have uh, done covered that up, and uh, if you have something on your mind, you'll listen in there, and uh, you got a question, you go ahead and send it to us. And the way you do that is visit homeshowradio.com, uh, homeshowradio.com. There's an Ask Tom button, even if it's just a topic, because we, we, these these podcasts are all about a topic. Even if you just want to say, hey, I want to hear about your thoughts on uh, flooring in my garage or what have you, just go ahead and send that to us, and, we're, and we'll, we'll build these to, according to what people are asking about, and that's the way to do it. Visit homeshowradio.com, click Ask Tom, fill that out, and send it in. Now, you can hear Tom on his show, doing Home Show Radio, uh, on demand anytime your heart desires. If you uh, navigate on the website to the Listen and subscribe to the show podcast, and then every week we push that out, and you can hear the segments of the show, or you can tune your wireless device to 610 on the AM band uh, in the Houston area for Sports Radio 610, or use the Odyssey app. You can do that, and that'll limit able you to hear odyssey radio stations from all over the country but home show radio here on uh, here in the houston area or you can also listen live at homeshowradio.com tom is on the air doing the show live if you want to talk to him every saturday morning from nine till noon and on sundays from eight to eleven that's central time so feel free to join him and tom Thank you for your time today and for helping us out. There is This is the reason you've been around so long, is you're so good at answering the questions. Well, I just answer them as if it was my own house. There you go. And he, he makes it easy, and that's what makes Tom Tom. And we thank you for listening to this Home Show Extra. We'll be back next week. Next week, uh, our topic's going to be plumbing. So maybe if you've got questions and you hear this, you get to us in time. We'll include yours in it next week. And thanks for listening to Home Show Radio Extra.